Yo, 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 can you hear me? Yeah. You can go ahead and change that title if you want. Leave it, leave it to you the team. You have the power. You have all the power. <clears throat> all the power. Uh, leave it to the team. Ran, we're getting your show, buddy. Ran, for anyone who wasn't here yesterday, Ran finally had it. Yeah, I'm done with the ETFs. I don't care. Let's DJet. And so here we are. No, I mean, I, I just, I just think to be honest, like we, I'm very, I'm all for legal discussions and stuff like that. But I just think that we've become, we just been talking too much about the legal discussions and the ETF discussions. And the truth is that you can only listen to it a couple of times before, before it's like, okay, we've heard everything there is to hear. And it just now becomes ridiculous speculation about things that people, you know. Also, it just becomes like insane nuance that just literally nobody cares about. Like when, when it's exactly. deep into the legalese of, and I listen, I'm glad that we have that perspective and people who can give it. But like when we're on clause 17.9 of law, you just, I'm asleep. Yeah. I mean, ultimately I'm here because I want to make money and I'm here because I want to change the world. And uh, I'm not here because I want to talk legalese. Um, I can leave, we can leave that to the legal people. They can talk legal people and we will, I mean, we should carry on those discussions. Um, we will, I think as much as yeah, I think we'll, we'll carry them yeah. on as we get more news, right? I mean, at the core, this is a breaking news show. So when we actually see something that's worth digging into, it just became like week two of digging into the same one line sentence about ripple or, or about Coinbase and, and such. So I'm glad that we can uh, pivot here and actually talk markets. Cause I think, you know, at, at our core, that's what we're all here for. Yeah, and I think I think today we should talk markets. We should talk market cycles. We should talk about you know whether this is the right time to invest or whether it's not the right time to invest. And if you are investing, what kind of narratives there are to invest in? Because you know the truth is that while everyone has been talking about the Bitcoin ETF for the last month, and Bitcoin has been ranging between thirty thousand and thirty one thousand, and literally been doing that for the last month. Um, there have been a whole lot of other narratives which have been flying. You know, like I'll give you some examples, like. Uh, Rollbit. Rollbit's probably down at 10x in the last month. It's a very, very, very interesting product. It's a very interesting narrative. There's obviously pros and cons. We should probably discuss them. Um, you know, you t uh, if you look at Flex Exchange, which is Carl and Sue's exchange, that's done fantastically well the last month. There's been a narrative around um, trading bots, which are t trading bots that allow you to trade directly from your Telegram messenger. And those are doing 10x's and 100x's in a day. Like, that's all right. It's like it's like a new meme coin uh, uh, trend. So I just thought like what we should do is we should maybe for a couple of days just not talk about legals until you know until the legal discussions need to come back, and let's actually have some fun and let's have some fun and talk about you know there's East uh, there's uh, East um, East Paris which is happening right now, um, which I think a lot of people that 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 are on this on on the panel here today are at the East uh, East. Uh, event in Paris at the moment so we should probably listen to what's going on there and what the future is so I think slightly slightly different uh, show format today uh, maybe Mario will join if he wakes up uh, hopefully hopefully he'll wake up pretty soon um, yeah but I mean I, I guess that's what I, what I thought we should do today let me know in the comments what you guys think and if, if this is saying that you want to see more of or less of which would be very cool to, to, to get everybody's views awesome well I'm excited the panel that we put together a lot of uh, fresh faces old friends, people who could definitely talk to this. A lot of people actually on here that I was following when I first got into crypto at the very beginning, looking for trade ideas and alpha myself. So it's awesome. Uh, uh, so I guess we'll just go ahead and get started. Alex Kruger, you're here first. Maybe um, 
give us the broad strokes on the markets and where you think we're at. I think that we should just set the table with uh, context, maybe get the correlation conversation out of the way and where you think markets are in general and where Bitcoin and altcoins fit into that. I think also just before you start, uh, you got Don, uh, Don Crypto, D-A-N. Yeah, I Don Crypto. I've been harassing him. Yeah, let's DMs. get in. I've been harassing him in DMs all day. Yeah. <laughs> would, would love to get him up. Would love to get him up. Yeah. Go ahead, Alex. Uh, hey, guys. Um, where we're at, I think we're at the point of the market where uh, we're still going up, but the, the EC money is behind us uh, in the sense that uh, in the first half of the year, everybody's been so bearish that it's been rather pretty easy to be bullish. And uh, we had quite a few uh, quite a few catalysts to push us you know, very much. Uh, to where we are right now, which is which is being pretty good. I mean, Bitcoin and ETH are up eighty percent. Uh, I see a lot of people complaining, upset, and uh, a lot of people still bearish uh, and concerned, which I think uh, stems largely from the main problem we have in crypto, which is not regulators, uh, is not uh, Gensler, it's PTSD. That's the main problem that we have. Uh, that being said, I think what happened last week on uh, with uh, between Ripple and the SEC, I think it it, it set up the stage for uh, some sort of a, a, an alt season. I, to be honest, I expected much more follow through. Uh, I personally, uh, if it comes, uh, you were talking about basically altcoins and and Degen, and uh, I don't have much Degen stuff in my books, but I do have a lot of Ripple right now. And I have a lot of soul. Well, Rip- Ripple's moving and, again. Uh, Ripple's moving again today, right? You had that kind of first yeah. two-hour bump, but now we're starting to see some follow-through. I agree with you, though. It was like five hours of massive alt season and then kind of nothing. Uh, yeah, yeah. I-, I think it's temporary. Uh, I think uh, I may be entirely wrong, of course, but I think that Ripple can can still... I, ex- I-, I think it will uh, go to... Um, say 120 140 once it gets there i'm gonna turn the page basically i'm not a ripple holder um yeah i mean so, so, yeah pretty uh, much so. Uh, so so alex are you trading are you trading the the momentum trade here are you just trading the the retail coming back trade is that is that your your trade here um i'm trading the sec narrative uh, ripple winning against the sec the sec is going to appeal um, there's going to be bad news. It's going to push price back down again. But the way I understand this, the way I see it, it that's not happening for quite a few months. The appeal is not happening right away. So Ripple, Ripple, Ripple has, has room to half. run, but it's... I heard six months, even more, even more so. So uh, we have we have room to run. It's, it's, uh, it's basically, uh, let's put it this way. Ripple got completely destroyed by regulators for uh, years. Uh, other alts has been six months. Ripple has been years. Uh, a coin that's been uh, that pummeled by the market doesn't adjust to its fair value, whatever that may be, in uh, a couple hours. You know, yeah, that that. So I think it should be higher. So, 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 uh, uh, Alex, let's talk about maybe the 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 market. So, like, if I look at the Nasdaq, five percent from its all time high. S and P, five percent from its all time high. A lot of people are saying 
that it's seven stocks that are driving up the NASDAQ and the S&P, which is uh, Microsoft, NVIDIA, Meta. Um, uh, there's four others that, yeah, yeah. that found the, 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 the AI stocks, Tesla and a couple of others. So question, what is this cycle? Is this cycle those seven stocks pushing up everything to all-time highs? Or is, that, is this cycle those seven stocks leading and then the other stocks following? And the reason why I ask, why I ask that is because if the latter is the case, then there could still be a massive bull run ahead of us. If it's just the seven stocks and those seven stocks are going up and everyone's thinking that, uh, that you know, you know, then, you know, if those seven stocks come down, then we could get quite a, quite a, quite a big, quite a nasty correction. So very interested to you. Yeah, that's right. It's a very, that's a very interesting point uh, topic on the, basically the breadth of the move on equities and, uh, it's that's worth an entire an entire uh, show or or uh, uh, or article about it because there's a lot of data and the data points in both directions. So whoever is using that to say that that's a sign of weakness that the market has go down hasn't done the research because you can have plenty of data to justify the exact opposite view. It's really a matter of bias of whoever is is presenting and talking. What's or, your or, what's uh, what's your view? I mean, when, when, like, what's your thesis? Is your thesis that we could go into full bull and that all the other stocks are going to follow? Like, I look at it almost like a Bitcoin and then altcoins. Like, I look at the, those top stocks as I look at those like big stocks as the Bitcoin of the market, and then I look at all the smaller stocks as the altcoins. And I think like you know the market's going to get confidence in those stocks. And then potentially the rest of the stocks could actually follow. And if I, if it happens, we could get way past all, all the the old all time high, given that the the, the old all time high is only five percent away. That's my thesis. My thesis is what's happening now eventually spills over the rest of the stock market. Wow. Okay. I'm 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 yeah, I'm, I'm glad to hear you said because you're actually a little bit more yeah. conservative than I. He's bullish. We've been chatting. But I, I do want to stress something. I, I, I do want to stress something to, to the very beginning to what I said before is the easy money. The easy money is, is, is the market already moved a lot. So for example, I, I'm, I'm fully deployed right now on both mm -hmm. crypto and stocks. But right. That's big. That's if, big uh, if uh, in crypto, I'm a little bit leveraged, in fact, and then in stocks, I'm fully deployed. Um, wow. But I wouldn't be deploying here. I would be waiting for a correction that will come at some point in the next few months. It always happens. I don't know exactly what that's going to be. But if I'm in cash right now, I'm literally waiting for the dip. Yeah. Mark is on the way um, I'm not chasing. Hey, Ryan, I want to get uh, Ryan a uh, horse. Dude, I still think of you as cantering Clark. I can't help it. It just mucks me up. But uh, horse, <laughs> what do you think about what Alex said? Where do you think we're at in this cycle? And then after that, first of all, I want to make it clear to the guests, you guys can jump in whenever you want. Uh, we're not necessarily going to like go around the table and call on you. And we are going to get deeper into this, this, the crypto specifics, but I think just kind of the broad strokes to start. Go ahead, man. Yeah, what's going on, man? It's a pleasure to be here. Um, yeah, just, I mean, I echo Alex's, I think a lot of this trade was ETF trade. Um, you know, there's no like fat pitches, uh, in the near term, I think broader like in terms of market cycle, everything's really lining up. Uh, it's just a matter of, I've said this many times, like big shifts turning slowly with the crypto market. So I think we're, we're setting up for a really good 2024. As far as Ripple, I'm, I'm personally, 
uh, in the camp that it, it doesn't really move much higher. I could see it. You know, there's this phenomenon known as the Hundy roll. And a lot of time that's when you're closer to sort of like a dollar or 10 cents, hundred dollars. Uh, but it also happens around, um, 80, whether it's eight cents, whether it's 80 cents, whether it's $80, where you see sort of a, a slingshot from, you know, where Ripple is now from, from 80 cents should at that chilling point or around a dollar. So I could see you know, maybe a bit of overthrow there. I mean, there's someone that's aggressively TWAPing right now, um, and it doesn't appear to be on the short side. So uh, higher prices, but I wouldn't see it much further than like 110. Um, as far as I'll tell you, I'll tell you what I'm seeing. I mean, with, let me just get in real quick, Rand, because I have some. Yes, yeah. want to run off. Um, as far as alts go, like I think that the we remain consistent with what's been in the past. Like there's a couple of darlings of the cycle, but. I think that the XRP ruling doesn't benefit XRP as much as it does benefit new projects that I guess feel a little bit more, um, a, a greater sense of security of coming to market now. Um, but I think that, you know, that were popular last cycle are not going to be the ones to capture a bunch of mindshare moving forward. And honestly, on the subject of, of mindshare and alts that I am most interested in, they're the ones that have the most negative mind share. So specifically someone mentioned Rollbit. Um, and then you have um, the uh, exchange by uh, Kyle and Sue. These two clients take up a ton of mind share, but they're absolutely hated. Uh, and if, you know, you just look at Rollbit's numbers, I know a lot of it's, you know, based on notional values. And when you deal with, uh, you know, an exchange that offers that much leverage, like notional misleading. Um, but I think that they're just absolutely proving that they're under-owned because there's a ton of people talking about them. And, uh, you know, the, the market caps are very low still. Um, and uh, the people talking about them are just absolutely hating on them. So I think this market, um, is going to pivot and we'll see more of the more growth in, in those two pairs. And then as far as like breadth, uh, with regard to legacy markets, um, I mean, like Alex said, you can interpret it according to your bias. I mean, it's a market, their market cap indices, uh, NVIDIA benefited. Um, around AI, I think AI is going to be a bubble that just blows away the crypto bubble. Um, just cause we're not even at the stage yet where there's any IPOs or anything that's coming to market. It's pretty much the, the proxy trade around it. The AI movement is, has been Nvidia and has been, you know, Microsoft and, you know, already stocks that have been, you know, major events in, in market now for some time. Uh, so yeah, I mean, honestly, I think, um, much of the move for crypto is rear view at this point i wouldn't want to get you know uh, overweight where we are now as far as stocks continue to move up though you have to consider that you know portfolio managers can't really they can't be out of the market and have the stocks move up another 10 percent. like it there's just i think at this point there's a lot of career risk to not be exposed so you could contain to see the S&P, you know march on through all-time highs nasdaq the same um so nasdaq rebalancing happening but uh yeah i mean I said a lot, so I'll... Rand, you told me that about... You said that exact thing about uh, Flex to me in February, by the way. We were sitting in Dubai, and I was, like, too over-emotional about the three AC guys. I was like, no fucking way I'm investing a single penny in these guys, which, by the way, maybe I, I still stand by. But you told me it was going to absolutely moon for all those reasons. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I, I said I wasn't going to win a popularity contest. Um and they are, you know, they, they are quite hated, those guys. But, I mean, you know, you, there's a lot of movement in the token. Again, I, I don't claim victory here because I think the move 
a short-term moves is not what we're judging on. We're going to judge much later and you know whether the exchange actually gets traction. But I, I certainly think that there's a whole lot of narratives that are running. Uh, flood capitalists, you've got your hand up. Um, I know you've got some interest in Rollbit as well. You've been you've been following Rollbit, if I'm not mistaken. I think you, was it you that that wrote some yeah, some research thread. on them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, feel uh, yeah. So I can go into that eye level. You want to pin it? People want to go. Well, yeah, I think more detail. A lot of people that are listening here have no idea what Rollbit is. Um, we 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 have obviously used it quite a bit, but maybe maybe just start off by just explaining to people what what Rollbit actually is and what what all this noise. is. And I did throw it up top. Yeah, if you do need to refer to it, it's up there for people in the nest. Oh, sweet, great, thank you. Yeah, so basically, Rollbit is uh, online casino. Uh, that kind of uses crypto as payment rails. So it's casino, it has a sports book, and it also has what I'm kind of most interested in, uh, 1,000x leverage trading on like Bitcoin ETH. Then you can go up to like 500x on like XRP and kind of like a bunch of other pairs. So it's pretty it's pretty degenerate in terms of, uh, of that, but the product is extremely smooth. It's like, it, you know, Rand, if you've tried it out, you know, I would probably go to say like one of my areas of research is kind of, derivatives and like DeFi derivatives i think it's like one of the smoothest products in crypto uh like kind of hands down and it's kind of simplest to use obviously extremely risky trading on that sort of leverage but uh it is kind of a casino so you get that casino feel while also being able to like access a lot of leverage which can give you some asymmetry if you're able to uh to get the trade right but i'm kind of most interested in it from like an investment point of view so obviously the product's great I've tried it out. I, I think it, it works really well. But from an investment point of view, like these guys are generating kind of insane amount of revenue. Uh, and kind of in the thread above, how I estimate revenue is anywhere between 10 to 30% of deposits. And kind of so far in the past six months, like since January 1st, um, if you use that between like, let's say like 20% of deposits would be 150 million in revenue. And kind of since deposits are accelerating with like, all these new crypto Twitter accounts like starting to, to promote them and their futures volume kind of blowing up. I think they could be on track to do something like 400 million by the end of the year, which is pretty, uh, like pretty insane. And I kind of break down like why that hey, plus, is feasible. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Uh, we, we, hey, we have a lot of times where we see these uh, platforms and like the platform can do particularly well, but the token doesn't. Does any? I have know nothing, very little about Rollbit. Does any of that value actually accrue to the token? Because, like I said, I mean, literally, Ripple could be a great company and XRP could be zero, right? So, yeah, exactly. So, uh, Scott, you should know better. You should know better than to say bad things about Ripple, the company, and Ripple and XRP, the token. You should know way better. Ah, uh, whatever. Man. You're gonna get sold now. Twenty twenty three. I'm free of my uh, bombs. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yeah so um for instance right so the, the comparison i make on this first chart here in the thread is versus uniswap right and as we all know uniswap you know takes fees but none of that actually goes back to the token holder and like the 4.4 billion dollar market cap the uniswap has is kind of based on the hope that eventually they're going to turn on the fee switch and send it back to holders so that that's one point i'd lay out and the second point is yes rollbit token does have utility so it gets right now 20 percent of the casino profits not revenue but profits um but that's only the casino that doesn't include the sports book or or the futures platform and kind of lucky the co-founder of rollbit has been writing a lot of threads they've gotten more active they've kind of recently 
re- revamp the platform, moving liquidity from Solana to Ethereum, like sign some big people like uh, Hasaka and uh, like Alex Weiss, Sisyphus, uh, that Jim Jim bought account, like all in kind of the past couple weeks. And then they've started to get more active on Twitter, like making a bit more of a push uh, around the token. And basically they're just kind of going to set this up, it seems like, uh, like an exchange token. So, you know, maybe in the future, they're going to have some sort of buy and burn with with more utility. Like, you know, the plans are kind of unclear, but so far what we've seen is like uh, over the past couple of weeks, just like continued added liquidity, uh, sorry, continued added utility and like small increments and kind of them saying there's more to come. So I think that it's definitely, you know, on its way and it's kind of in everyone's best interest. I mean, because- I mean net, net. I mean, I think a lot of our viewers are very basic viewers and I appreciate the research that you've done. I read it, obviously. Um, I think that what Rollbit does is, I, 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 I look, and to be honest, I, I've, I've got a very small position that I invested in Rollbit, full disclosure, and I, and I invested it on the open market a few days ago. Um, what Rollbit is, is it's a casino and a futures exchange and an NFT platform, if I were to really summarize it. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, you, you got to you got to understand, you know, to me, as much as I don't really agree with casinos and, and whatever else, I do agree that casinos are going to be an ultimate big use case for crypto. And um, I think that Rollbit's capitalizing on on that plus the the, the other casino, which is a, the derivatives uh, platform. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think they're they're making they may they're certainly making all the right noises. Um, again, not telling anyone to buy it, but it is definitely one to 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 keep on your radar because it does appeal to a huge market. I think they regulate are they regulating in in they they're regulating in a certain jurisdiction. Sure, so jurisdiction are they regulating? It's something like that. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I did, I did do some research, and they, they were regulated in as, as a casino, or they had a casino license in one of the jurisdictions. Certainly not for yeah. the United Sounds. States. Yeah, um, altcoin Sherpa, I see, I see you. You've had your hand up. Hey guys, yeah, thanks for um, thanks for the invite on this this call. Yeah, I just wanted to echo kind of like what you guys were all talking about in terms of um, you know what which altcoins to really target and which. Um, which altcoins are really going to take up a lot of the mindshare. I, I totally agree with you guys in terms of Rollbit being a cash cow. Um, full disclosure too, I, I also bought a position on the open market. I think that in the short term, it's like going to be a pretty solid one. Uh, again, don't buy it, um, do your own research, et cetera. But I think that uh, for people really talking about, you know, uh, all season and you know which altcoins are really going to move and what kind of environments are good for a quote-unquote alt season uh you know in my opinion like liquidity has really been fragmented since 2021 where we've seen certain narratives pop off i don't think we've really truly seen like a full traditional alt season since like early 2021 in january where everything was just like simultaneously going up 20 or 30 percent a day um like uh, uh like clark said Things are there's really only going to be like a certain outperformers, and also Rand, you got you talked about this as well, where certain altcoins are going to highly outperform the market, and it's really important to decide and and look to see which ones those are. Um, I don't really truly think that there's going to be like a like a strong alt season until we see like a a, a catalyst and a true leader. It could be Rollbit. I, I don't know. Um, I guess we'll see in the next coming weeks, but. If you've looked at any of the previous quote unquote like alt runs that we had over the last um, few months, there's always been like a strong, strong leader. So 
you know, back in February, we saw like a strong AI run uh, led by Fetch AI. Um, you know, later on in the year, we saw like a strong meme coin run led by Pepe. And, you know, as of right now, we're still kind of looking, I think, for like a strong leader and a strong catalyst. And, um, you know, once we see like that leader take take a hold, it could be, as I said, it could be Rollbit, it could be Unibot, it could be um, any sort of other uh, layer twos with um, EIP 44844 coming out. Um, I think once you see the leader, then we can kind of decide and see what like the narrative is. is Two quick points. So, so interestingly, a lot of the past few cycles you just talked about, obviously, fetch.ai, but that that AI cycle was triggered by chat GPT, something outside of crypto. And the metaverse fall that we had, whenever that was, was triggered by Facebook rebranding to meta, sort of these external things and not the internal narratives like it used to be. So I guess that's one point. But the, the next question, I see Patrick and Horace, you got your hands up. So next, but like talking about these very thin sort of narratives that drive alt seasons within a very minimal sector. Will we ever see those 2017 Bitcoin goes up, it consolidates, which by the way, it just did. And we haven't seen it, but Bitcoin goes up and consolidates and every altcoin goes up 50%, right? And or something goes up 5X, you rotate into literally something that hasn't moved. It goes up 5X, the good old, the good old days. Are those cycles dead? I want to know people's opinions on that. Uh, go ahead, Patrick, then horse. All right. So, um, yeah, I just had a couple of thoughts on uh, casinos real quick before alt season. Uh, I really think that not necessarily just Rollbit, but gambling in casinos overall has a potential to be the killer use case of crypto in the midterm beyond cross border payments. Um, Patrick, I, I agree with you. Patrick, I agree with you 100%. I, I, I cannot stress how much I agree with you. Uh, Scott, I think this came from a discussion that you and I had where you said, you know, humans love casinos and crypto by nature is just the transfer of value from one place to another. It's the, most, it's the ultimate asset for casinos. And when I say casinos, I don't mean casinos like like gambling on, on a religion, but casinos as in derivatives. To me, derivatives are one big casino. Crypto is one big casino. I think that's the ultimate. Yeah, it's the ultimate use case. It's the ultimate use case for crypto. Anyway, carry on, Patrick. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, and if you wanted to... um. You know, if you wanted to design an industry that would be more perfectly set up to use crypto, it would be casinos and gambling because it requires financial rails and often struggles to get access to them. Depending on the jurisdiction, not everyone can uh, even access casinos in person or online. Uh, and also crypto allows anyone to create new, never before seen uh, games, right? So, so you don't just necessarily have the standard types of bets or um or casino games, just like with DeFi, you could have anyone whipping up some some new website, and you can't really do that easily on traditional rails because you'd get you'd get cut off. Uh, and then also you have the ability to add token incentives, so you could have a site come up and offer incentives to people who play. And, and I think that that opens up the possibility for a DeFi summer esque type event at some point in GambleFi, where you could have these forked casinos opening up, offering token incentives, and and people. Uh, moving between them simply because they were going to be uh, allotted governance tokens like they were in DeFi. Horse, go ahead. Yeah, like, I okay, think. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, sorry, sorry. just really quickly, just I think this is why like Rollbit has like uh, gone the traction it has like even today like four billion dollars over four billion dollars in future volume is just because it mixes like you know the casino aspect with kind of the killer use case of crypto so far, which has been you know like perps. So it mixes 
that with the thousand X leverage. And so it kind of appeals to basically everyone who wants to like straight up be gambling in the casino or, you know, actually speculating on, on Bitcoin and ETH. And it also opens up like with the casino, you know, the odds are against you. Like you're for sure going to like lose over time, but at least with like Bitcoin and ETH, like if you get the direction right, you could actually become, you know, pretty profitable over time. Obviously it's difficult on high leverage. Yeah, I think 200 X leverage uh, direction, uh, probably have less odds than no, putting but, on a craps table but <laughs> yes i get the point i think, I think hold on i, I think hold on. I, think, I think we should draw a distinction between games of luck and games that, that actually require like, skill. like when i think about a roulette or when i think about blackjack the odds are against you eventually you're defending it's uh, just a matter of time but if i look at like leverage trading um i, I don't see that in the same bucket I, I agree that they're both extremely risky but to me leverage trading you know, if you've got a thesis that Bitcoin is going to be higher tomorrow than it is today, um, and it, it, it's more of an and it's an investment instrument, um, and you want to go and take your bet on leverage as opposed to taking it on spot, I draw a massive line between that and and playing on a on a roulette. And the same thing with like sports betting. If you've gone and done your research, I don't know anything about sports betting, but if you've gone and done your research and you know which team is better and the which which team favors the wind and which team favors the rain. And you somehow can increase your chances of betting. That to me is more of a game of skill than a game of luck or a game of chance. I, I don't know. I draw a big distinction between the two. Or, yeah, if I could just add um, one, you made a point about, uh, I guess, just previous market cycles and flows from BTC to alts. I think uh, those prior market cycles and how they played out were just, uh, they were just sort of obviously very connected to the way markets were structured back then. You didn't have as many stable coins. It was like, do you want to be in BTC or do you want to jump ship and, and chase, you know, the next area of momentum? And there's no other market that's really like, it's not like, you know, if you're trading commodities and you're, you know, long crude oil, uh, then you have to get out of crude oil. Otherwise you're going to take positions, margin doing crude oil. And you're kind of trying to play this game of just like leapfrogging one lily pads to the next. So I think now that there's stable coins, um, it's a lot different. And, and those days are, it, it's just kind of different moving forward and not necessarily um, not necessarily worse. I mean, markets aren't really changing much over time. Market structure has, but people's inclination to just like chase momentum is always going to be there. Um, as far as rule bit, the one thing that I'm, I guess, concerned with, cause I think it's a great trade, but I do think that it does have shelf life. Um, because it is, it is a casino and it's, it is sort of labeling its products or the instruments future, futures. They're, they're essentially, options they're negatively convex i mean i've used i've used the product myself um they actually uh i was at talks with them obviously and i turned down an offer uh but i i think there's a really important distinction to make because the product is it's sort of like you know in terms of like it being negatively convex if you're trading b2c uh if you're trading b2c futures that were leveraged that were margined in b2c so the b2c margin that's negatively convex. The way that your, you know, PNO profile changes over time, you're going to lose. So you're going to lose more to the downside than, than you gain to the upside. And and the way that Rolbix products are set up that way, so it is sort of like a binary option. It's not a futures product. Um, and the one thing that I think is on the table is sort of the existential risk of some kind of regulatory crackdown because we are. It feels like we're kind of getting out of that, but we still are in that environment where I think that. Uh, it's just dangerous to play sort of fast and loose as a growing entity in this market because, you know, you do have sort of the 
uh, possibility of DOJ or or some regulator stepping in and saying like, no, no, yeah, this, yeah, uh, is, yeah. To your point, and the bigger you get, the more attention you get, the more risk there is in that arena. It's actually advantageous right. to be small and not be growing and not get attention if you want to fly under the regulatory radar. Yeah, and I definitely agree with like you know the regulation being a big question mark. I think you can apply that to a lot of the derivatives protocols. And then a point on the negative convexity, uh, I actually think it's a pretty good fee structure because basically like how it works, like if you go a thousand X leverage long on Rollbit, they effectively give you anywhere between 700 to 900 X on the long side and a thousand X on the short side. So you're going to get liquidated faster than, than you would make like equal amount of money uh, on the long side, but they do that by waiving the flat fee. So you can actually enter and exit the trade for, you know, no slippage and no flat fee. So I think it's actually really attractive for some traders who, you know, would prefer to be like in and out of trades on uh, no no flat fee. And then you can also switch to the flat fee model if you prefer like kind of the the, the traditional perps. Yeah, I completely agree. It's a phenomenal product, honestly, for someone who's like a tick scalper, essentially. Sorry, my mic wouldn't so, that was someone an RT there. Your, with your hand up hey guys yeah we going back to what you asked earlier sky you mentioned um you know the days of this like 5x goes up and then oh find the thing that hasn't rallied yet and then just buy that and it'll go up you know are those days in the past and i i would say no first off that's really a good strategy i mean that rotation strategy I actually had this conversation with somebody the other day and he said well why do you even trade bro like why not buy things you know, it's so easy to catch 100x, which I kind of laughed at. It's it's really not. And to catch 100x, you've got to hold a 50x, and then you're waiting on a 2x. Like it doesn't make sense. That rotation game, mathematically, um, is incredibly powerful. The compounding and all that. So like the idea of like, are we out of this market where we can and we can see rallies across the board compounding and growing? I don't think so because they're driven by human nature. And the casinos open, as we've been talking about the casino being. The markets, the stock markets, the biggest casino in the world, the crypto markets, 24-7, 365. Uh, but one thing that I'm being paying close attention to as we get into this next cycle, whatever that's going to look like, is trying to find, and, and this is a little bit personal for me too, because I've had three babies since the last one. So I've got three young kids at home and I can't afford to play, um, you know, the move fast and and rotate every day like i'm not paying as close attention so i've got to be really careful with what i look at and then finding those new narratives the one that i'm most interested in is you mentioned earlier is value accrual there's a lot of talk about rlb roll bit and then the question is like well how much of that token you know accrues value from these revenue numbers they're putting up and that's a really good question to ask through this cycle because there is so much fit in the market as we all know and a lot of it is great ideas um using a token to get funding and build their ideas, but how much of that drives revenue and how much of that revenue sees its, you know, value go back to the token. So looking at projects that are solving problems and then driving revenue and fees, and then obviously rewarding holders. Um, and this is a point brought up, uh, by Noah Seedman, Captain Rational guy who was on our stream last week. And he, he mentioned this idea of like, I don't want to hold a token that's primary purpose is someone to buy it with hopes to sell it later at a higher price. And that's where it's you know, money here. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's where you all need all the money. Crypto. Nobody really gives a shit about it. Exactly. No, 
Yeah, I think, and that, I think that's the thing. So that's where I see this pivot as we go forward and as the market matures. I mean, we've got presidents talking about Bitcoin backing the dollar, say like presidential candidates. Like we're moving into a more longer term adoption cycle as I see it. And I think the old hat of like buy, sell, buy, sell. Look, I love that game. It got me to where I am today. But now moving forward, I'm really looking for things where it's like, what if there's a token that I can buy and I don't have to sell it to make the money. The, the token pays me, pays out staking rewards, real value accrual. So that's really something that I've been focused on in the last few months. Um, you know, planting seeds, maybe number go up, sell half on a double, get a free position and then stake it, lock it, whatever that is. So that's really just been my focus uh, going forward this year. I think we're going to see a move away from the shit, just like we did the utility tokens, 2017 ICOs, right? Like they're literally all dead. Um, yeah. And so we are moving towards a more value accrual token model. And, um, that's really exciting because the idea of not having to sell your token to realize the gain is, is a paradigm I'm here for. Yeah. I think that's, uh, yeah. So basically I think the market is moving towards that long-term obviously, but I think it's like highly dependent on where we are in the cycle. Right. So like for instance, Last cycle, like you could have bought Dogecoin and outperformed BTC and ETH by a crazy amount uh, in like 2020, 2021. Then when 2022 rolled around, right? Like we saw the best performing coins in the top 100 were GMX and GNS, which, you know, derivatives platforms that give value accrual directly back to the token. Like as soon as like the, the froth came out of the market, that's when value accrual started to matter, right? And I think some people are like still in that mindset because we haven't gotten like super crazy yet. And obviously in the future, um, that's eventually where the market's probably going to settle. But I still think the narrative stuff is extremely powerful right now. And then obviously if you can nail both the narrative and value accrual, which is like kind of what we were talking about with Rollbit before. Right now Rollbit sends like 20% of its casino profits back to the token. And like hopefully they're going to be sending, you know, per like their futures profits and sportsbook profits back as well. But I feel like that's kind of the golden area is where you find the narrative and the hype kind of line up with actually some some fundamental value. And then kind of what we saw in 2021 was you had these kind of reflexive cycles of that where like Luna, right? Like Luna had a massive buy and burn, but that was kind of driven by like the token price and anchor. So those earnings weren't necessarily like real or durable over like a long period of time, but kind of the hype fed into the quote unquote fundamentals. And then that's when something goes really bananas. Yeah, I really like that you brought up DMX. It's actually only 38 and a half, about 39% off its all-time highs. And so that's a really good example of how the underlying fees and then the value accrual to the token, the stakers, GLPs, TrueStake, GMX, like it's a perfect example of that where through a nasty bear market and we just saw one of the nastiest coming off the highs, um, you know, it's still down less off of its highs than a lot of others. I think that's a subtle hint at exactly kind of what I was talking about with the value accrual tokens. If you can hold something and get paid, you're less likely to sell it off and you get less intense volatility, which look, some people are here for that intense volatility. I love that shit. Um, but as I said, as I get older and as I settle into this stuff a little more, I'm looking for things that solve real problems, collect fees for doing so, provide services, and then roll that back to token holders. Um, and I'm going to make a shameless plug here for Hero Network because I've been doing content for them for years. And they moved from sort of a web to website that was Paramutuals, you know, Moonwreck, uh, very much gamified, uh, short-term binary options type thing 
and and really moved into a unified liquidity network, um, similar in some ways to GMX. And so really taking that fragmented liquidity problem we're seeing on on-chain derivatives and solving it uh, by creating a unified liquidity layer. So like full disclosure, I have a big bag of that. I've been buying it throughout the bear market, but that's the kind of model that I think is really going to take off here in the next little while. And GMX obviously being the leader there. Um, and there's a ton of that yeah. kind of stuff popping up. Pika and optimism, like there's a lot. So it's going to be interesting to see who. You know, I'm glad. I'm I'm, I'm glad we're having discussions like this in terms of like value accrual to token holders. I think that's a very important discussion to be having. I mean, a lot of people buy tokens where they don't really understand the value accrual to token holders. I've been guilty many, many times. Um, one of those where, where I did, and I, again, not, not talking badly about it, I think it's a great protocol, but I, I bought Immutable X, the token. And I didn't realize that the token only gets 20% of the value that's accrued and the other 80% goes to centralized company. Now, that to me is not the reason why I entered tokens and and, and I, I want to be part of a decentralized network and I want the obviously the full transparency or whatever else. But it's good that we're having these value accrual tokens. And I think the other good discussion that's good for us is that we're actually all agreeing that the biggest use cases, or what I've heard, is that the main use cases are speculation and the innate human nature to get dopamine rushes and play in the casino. Because we're all speaking about exchanges, casinos, and speculation. And I know Scott has very strong thoughts when it comes to that. Yeah, well, I only came up with those thoughts after about seven drinks sitting with you at dinner. But yes, I, I generally he's referring to the fact that I came to uh, the epiphany that 99% of this largely trash and that it's only good for trading <laughs> which is generally my funny i had that same, i had that same number at 99 percent um so really thinking high time frame i just see a pivot with you know when you get data points like gmx coming down off its highs way less than a lot of other things and that kind of understanding in the market and i think we see a flight over time in long term there's going to be some real stinky shit coins and meme coins that outperform in the meantime uh, but long term, I see is moving towards uh, more of this value accrual model, and, and then there's some other fun narratives too, real world assets. Because the question is, like, what is the staying power of the crypto? Right, it's going to move past, you know, buy low, sell high, speculative stuff. Eventually, it will settle into a space where it's providing real value and services to the world. And and I think the ones that send as much value back to token holders are going to be the ones. Right, but if we're talking about tokenizing assets, here's kind of the core of what I was discussing with the 99 percent is that the technology can do very well. A lot of these companies can do very well, but Muslim didn't need a token to do that. And that's, I guess, where sort of, uh, I think people are going to have to innovate and really, really, really add major value to the token for the token holders. Because tokenizing real-world assets, that's incredible. I think it's an amazing case for blockchain, but how do you invest in that? Right? Exactly. Yeah. Well, you buy the chain, one, you buy the chain that you think is going to be the most least and you hope that you get some kind of value. I've always had the layer. And then all the infrastructure. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, in, does anybody else get the feeling that, that somebody needs Bitcoin to be over $30,000? Because it feels like every time Bitcoin breaks down below this $30,000 mark, somehow it finds its way back up to just above 30000 Does anyone get the feeling that maybe someone needs to have the price there? Uh, sorry, I just want to say something quick before uh, I need to jump uh, onto what you guys were talking about before and uh, Rollbit and, and GMX. Uh, something for the audience to consider, uh, I think is very important, is these, these very liquid coins. Uh, 
So you want to look at basically distribution of uh, holders and uh, and then check what happens if holder number seven, for example, sells 1% of the supply. How much liquidity is there to absorb that? Maybe it's that's just one guy is big enough to, to make price dump 40%, something like that. So I think this is very important and things to consider that it's not just about cash flows, also need to think when you have very concentrated holdings that just one guy waking up on the wrong foot uh, can send your your investment down the drain very fast. Just just that, uh, guys. Thank you very much for for having me. I, I need to jump. Thanks, Alex. Yeah, see, yeah. If I could, if I could make up. Yeah, oh, sorry. Oh, yeah, one thing I was gonna say is like we're talking about. I guess projects that should accrue value um, reasonably, based on not just being like meme coins and you know the fast-moving garbage. One of the things that this market, one of the features of this market that makes it great, but also sort of detracts from that, is the fact there's really like no friction to come to market. Um, so if you have you know two projects vying to market and, and one is trying to actually build something meaty, uh, and another is just trying to create pump to send it to you know infinity the thought that's going to captivate people the most is going to be the one that you know gets everyone's attention by you know just ver- moving up vertically and you know the stock market there's friction coming to market so there's a process for that. we don't have that here so i mean this market i think will always sort of sort of punish the legit projects the things that should reasonably accrue value because there's just so many other things that can come to market and can gain mind share in a very short amount of time um, by just being somewhat flat. Yeah, coins. I mean, we wouldn't have these massive mean coin moves if people in this market cared about value accrual to tokens. Right. <laughs> hey, at the very basic level. Patrick, go ahead. Yeah, one thing I just wanted to add about the value accrual discussion is um, I'm all for tokens having a reason to exist, and I think long-term there has to be some sort of value passed along. Uh, but I can't think of another industry that expects what's essentially a dividend for companies that were sometimes founded you know, a few months ago, right? If you're bullish on a team, I, I'm of the opinion that the team might be, the project might be better served by the team having that money to be able to continue to build. I mean, just to give GMX as an example, I'm a big fan of the GMX team. I've referred tons of people to GMX uh, and I don't right now, but I've held GMX for most of this year. But if I'm holding it long-term, I'd almost rather than getting whatever the 10 or 15 percent payout i'd rather that money go back to the team so they can add more pairs and and grow the protocol yeah that's actually happening in, in v2 so the split right now of revenues is 70 percent to the liquidity providers 30 percent of the token and then it's going to go down to 10 percent of the team 27 percent the token uh 63 percent to liquidity providers in the future but, but, uh, exactly. But to my point, you know, what other industry is a startup expected to pay out 20, 30% of its revenue to as a dividend? Yeah, for sure. But like GMX, you know, for a while only had two developers and they made a protocol that was spitting out like hundreds of millions a year in fees. Like, I think the leverage that code and crypto gives you, um, you know, it kind of allows you to do that. But, and I think that during the bear market, that's what the market was really fo- focused on, like cash flows right now. And that's why GMX performs so well during the bear market. But definitely agree, like over a long time horizon, like you want to make sure the team has money, is a well-funded and has money to grow. But I don't think that's really a, 
restriction for GMX at this point. A really strong treasury and, and war chest. But uh, I agree with like your your general point. Yeah, it's a valid point. You want to have balance in how the 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 revenues or, or value accrual goes out to the token. You you got to have a strong treasury. You want to see growth there. And in many cases, the teams also have team tokens and they're welcome to stake and, and often do. And, and that's somewhat how they get paid too. But yeah, driving a lot of value to treasury uh, is going to give you the staying power that all the token holders should want. So it's a really good point. I mean, we keep talking about whether we're going to see these cycles and what's going to happen. But I think currently we know that there's just no liquidity and very little volume, right? It'd be hard to expect to get these massive moves if there's no new money coming in, you know, uh, coins on exchanges or historical lows, volumes are low. But I guess the next question is, maybe Vinny, you could take this. What's going to drive uh, new money to come in so there's actually enough liquidity to see these massive moves? I, um, yeah, it's a good question. I've been asking myself the same question. I think um, as we've seen over the past decade, a lot of the liquidity is driven by the Fed, right? So the Fed's pulling liquidity out of the market. It affects all assets. The, the everything bubble has come down. Um, and yeah, even look at the stocks, it's, it's mainly led by the top 10 stocks as well. And that's because people are chasing cash flows and, and yields. Um, you know, so I, I'm not sure where the new money comes from right now. I think there, there probably has to be something in the traditional financial system that breaks, that puts, pushes people into crypto, uh, or, or rates have to start coming down and excess liquidity flooding the market. Um, but most, you know, most of the new money, so to speak is, it, you know, it, it's either coming from, uh, it's not new money. It's like this recycled yeah, life. Some people make gains. The old washing issue. Exactly. Exactly. So you see like people make gains in certain coins, then they go and buy Bitcoin with it, or they go buy Ethereum or whatever it is. Um, and that's what's happening all the time. Even the meme coins. Guys go and make a million bucks of meme coins, they're going to go pop it into Bitcoin. So yeah. that's why the dominance has been rising steadily over the past year and a bit. And and Ryan and I famously had a, one of his crypto banker sessions where he, he was emph- <laughs> emphatic that it would not go over 50%. And I think it was like 38 at the time. And I was saying, right, it's going to go 50% of this bear market cycle. And it has. Yeah. Interestingly, though, you know, people talk about this meme coin cycle. And I heard a lot of people trying to compare Pepe to Doge. But Doge brought literally millions of people into crypto who had no interest in it before, obviously, because of Elon Musk. But I mean, I remember talking to exchanges who were saying, listen, we're getting 100, 200, 300,000 extra people signing up a day. We can't hire enough customer service people strictly because of Doge. This is not the same what we're seeing these times. Like, this is just the washing machine. A bunch of DGENs who are already in crypto or buying Pepe looking to dump and get into something else. I mean, Doge, for uh, as much as people seem to hate it, it probably brought more people into Bitcoin and crypto than anything else we've seen. Yeah, and, and a point on that, uh, and I can send you this chart, but basically I've been monitoring like kind of stablecoin market cap. Uh, so like USDC, BUSD, USD and, and Tether, and then I guess like the true USD. And basically that's down from, it got up to 150 billion or so uh, in kind of April 2022. And it's kind of been just kind of slowly bleeding down all the way to kind of 115 billion. So that's like $45 billion in stablecoin liquidity that's kind of exited the system. And obviously like a big reason for that could be like the T-bill yields being like 5%. It's like you know, if you can, why wouldn't you off board and get five percent? But it's just kind of another. I think that's know, true indication to your point. I think most people that are, uh, you know, heavily trust stable coins are probably not the same investors as T bills. Although I do do agree with you, I think that largely 
Silicon Valley Bank and right, you know, when uh, people for a weekend thought that the USDC might be at risk and the very fact that people are afraid of regulation and the nonstop. But to me, that would sort of answer to the decrease in uh, stablecoin market cap. Maybe I'm wrong, but it feels like there's certainly a lot less people right now that trust uh, having their money in the industry for, for various reasons. Yeah, no, for sure. I just think like, that that was one of the massive drivers of the bull market like, last, 100%. last year. Like in September 2020, stablecoin market cap went from 20 billion all the way up to 150 billion, which is just like kind of new money to bid Bitcoin, to bid these, to bid alts. Go ahead, Vinny. Vinny there. Money coming into some new alts. Yeah. Can you hear me? Hello? Yeah, you're good now. Hello? Yep, you're good. Okay. There, there, there is there is new money coming. Yeah, we hear you. Hello? We hear you. Uh, okay, okay. Uh, there is new money coming into. There, there, there's new money coming into crypto. It's coming into crypto via Bitcoin primarily. So people are buying Bitcoin on a global basis, and so that that's when that's that's the funnel for him. You know, the other are buying Bitcoin quite in quite a big way globally. Yeah, so that, and it, literally that's exactly how the old cycles that we're talking about happened, right? I mean, a bunch of people got into Bitcoin. Everyone says all coins are dead. Bitcoin's going to take the entire hard yeah. gap, and then people get fucking bored and they start speculating and trying to beat Bitcoin. And there we are. Well, that would indicate that we're going to get exactly the same cycles once enough liquidity has come into Bitcoin. Yep. Yeah, and like to that point, like uh, CoinShares publishes a really good like weekly asset flow into kind of the TradFi products. So like into like GBTC, uh, different ETFs. But what I, I thought is interesting is a lot of the flows, like there's been 750 million flows uh, over the past four weeks, kind of off the back of this ETF news. But a lot of those are going into um, kind of like the, the ProShares ETF, which is like CME kind of like paper bitcoin it's not like actual um you know bitcoin like entering the or like in the system that could kind of rotate in, into alt so a lot of that money is going into kind of like cme futures rather than like on-chain bitcoin which could like hypothetically get get rotated in, into alts well i think the point about stable coins really is the biggest point though if we're trying to differentiate between now and past cycles because and and I think uh Horace, I think you mentioned this earlier, but you you only if you wanted in and out of alts in two thousand seventeen, you had you had to go through Bitcoin. You literally didn't have another choice. There was no stable coins. I mean they were nothing. There was really no USD pairs. So that kind of created that cycle. We don't have that anymore if you can go straight from all coins to USDT or USD and skip Bitcoin altogether, right? CRG Nechos, you guys haven't uh, j- jumped in and a at all. What are you guys thinking about this conversation in general? CRG, why don't you uh, jump in if you're there? Yeah, I'm here. Cheers, Scott. And hello, gents. Hope you're all well. Um, regarding your accrual um, thoughts, I think real-world assets are probably the only thing that can really kickstart. Well, the, the interest rates are just too high for a full-blown bull market in, in altcoins, but where real world assets where crypto projects can weaponize volume through real world assets and bring them on chain and bring some non-inflationary yield i think that's probably where um altcoins are going to flourish because 
like we saw with Luna, um, inflationary yield, it's just not going to work long term. For example, I'm working with a project at the moment um, that's um, bringing debt on chain, bringing trade receivables on chain. And uh, they're doing that and they'll create some yield for the project. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Uh, go ahead, Nate. Yeah, agreed on agreed on that. Um, I'm not sure whether you guys can hear me, but I agreed on that. There's a couple projects coming around the cycle that are definitely different than the previous cycles out there. I think when it came to real world assets that never really existed in the previous cycles in 2017, 2018, even 2020, really. Um, so there's a couple out there right now. There's one called PropChain that's looking to bring real world assets back by real estate. Um, that's in Dubai. They already have working property out there and it's sort of going to be leaning towards real estate and, um, and renting um, as it continuously progresses. It's doing really well. And then another one is going to be um, debt-based assets. So um, sovereign debt, so forth that's going to be tokenized and i think that's like the next big pivot for the cycle um coming up and uh that could be something that more institutional level players would be more interested in versus you know your typical meme coin or whatnot right because as you guys were all saying you know big money is not really interested in you know getting into pepe they're more interested in an actual like the backed base app yeah i mean even I think obviously talking about Bitcoin ETF now, but if you read the investor letter, uh, their annual investor letter in March, largely about tokenizing real world assets. So, I mean, BlackRock is talking about that. It's definitely going to be one of the next narratives. Patrick, I would give you the chance to comment. I want to ask the general question to everyone uh, af after that. Go ahead. All right, great. It'll be a quick comment. I just wanted to add a number to um, context to what they were saying. Since the start of the year, the value of assets that are tokenized as real-world assets on chain has grown from around 120 million to almost 700 million. Actually, almost 900 million now. Almost 900 million. Eight. So it's gone 7, 8x since the start of the year. Well, what What is the composition of those assets? Like when you're saying take a real-world asset and bring it onto chain, like just walk me through like what a real-world asset on chain actually looks like. So, so a lot of those are, for example, in Ondo Finance, which are tokenized U.S. Treasuries. Uh, you have Tangible, which would be tokenized real estate, uh, and then it's a so collection of I, a lot of assets like that. So I hear you, and I'm trying to understand the the, the use case for it. If I've got a, a, a tokenized treasury on chain, I mean, what do I have? I have a token that represents a a, a real world asset, but when token transfers. What is to say that the that the real world asset also transfers? Do you understand that question? Yeah, yeah, I understand the question, and I mean, I think that's that's getting into legal aspects of it that that are probably beyond um, beyond uh, me. Yeah, because I, I really I, I buy this this assets trading chain thesis, but what I don't buy is you know a token that represents your ownership in an asset. But if a token changes hands, the the the, the like when people talk about real estate changing hands, as far as I know, and I may be wrong, but you know, you can have a token that represents real estate. Ultimately, unless the title deed changes changes hands, the title deed. I can. You your token is. Grant, I can tell you really quickly how that's working. It's actually pretty novel. Roofstock, I think, is a company I interviewed at. Uh, main last year and so what they do actually to do it in the united states in a compliant way is that they open a wyoming llc a wyoming llc 
owns the property and the tokenized NFT version of the property is actually a transferred ownership of the LLC or control of the LLC. So you get the asset owned by the LLC. Very novel and complex, but that's how it's done here because Wyoming has a favor favorable regulatory environment that allows that basically LLC central. So you're not actually buying the asset, you're buying control of the LLC that owns the asset. But yes, that gets very, very complex if we're going down this rabbit hole of every asset. Yeah. See your, see your hands up. Hi, mate. Yeah, sorry about my phone uh, going a bit. Okay. Why is that? Yeah, I think um, instead of kind of when you've got real estate and tokenizing assets, it's not really, um, there's obviously longevity in it, but short term, I think it's about weaponizing volume um, that can reoccur over time. For example, um, if there's projects I know that are delivering short term debt funding to the crypto space and bringing it on chain, which means every 60 days, or every 30 days, or every 90 days. And debt is funneled into the crypto space. It's pinged around an ecosystem, and it's then, um, and then value accrual is given to the token holders via, um, Yeah, think we lost you there for a second. I'm not sure if you hear us, but uh, yeah. So I and uh, while you get that sorted out, I'm going to go ahead and mute your mic, CRD. All right, here's my next general question that I wanted to ask before Patrick went. So it, I guarantee every single person on stage here gets the question often: What will be the next? That what will be the best performing asset of the next cycle? Assuming we see one of these cycles, I kind of flippantly at this point joke that uh, whatever it is, I probably haven't even heard of it yet because I don't really want to necessarily own a bunch of stuff from 2017 in the next cycle because of bag holders and such. Do you guys think that we can see the older coins massively outperform, or do you think that it will always be whatever that next new narrative is that we're chasing that's going to perform in each bull market? Go ahead, Mars. Yeah, so my, I mean, someone asked this question recently in a loop. So I think, I mean, I, uh, I'd miss to say that if, that I think it's probably going to be Rollbit. Um, Rollbit would be up there as long as it's not like just absolutely taken out by regulators. Uh, Rollbit, I think Pepe is probably um, a darling and fan favorite. And then honestly, to echo my earlier point, this the next cycle is going to be populated by coins that we haven't even heard yet. That's like my strongest opinion. And I think the area that we see really well is our projects that sort of pivot and attach themselves to to AI. Because like I said, you know, AI, I think AI honestly is just people are sleeping on it um, because we have incumbents like NVIDIA that are gaining all the traction around it, but there's nothing that's IPO'd yet. There's really nothing. I mean, we've, we've, we've been able to try the actual tools and, and, and things have come of it, whether it's ChatGPT or some of the like funner art related programs. Um, but that's non-serious. I mean, that's trivial compared to what I think probably comes over the next few years. And we haven't even seen the market reflect that with any new projects or uh, companies. Um, so cryptos themselves to AI, I think will probably uh, outperform because I mean, honestly, stock market beta has been outperforming BTC and outperforming ETH. Um, so any crypto related uh, tra any related stocks have been outperforming uh, crypto incumbents or crypto native pairs. 
Um, so I'm most focused, honestly, on how projects attach themselves to AI because I think that's the most compelling narrative moving And we've forward. seen that behavior every single cycle, right? I mean, it's like the Long Island blockchain iced tea, uh, but Avanon, but we obviously saw every project all of a sudden became a DeFi project for six months, and then they all became, had some NFT platform or something. Uh, and so, but AI probably has a lot more staying power than any of those to your point. Go ahead, Sherpa. Do you think, do you think that, that AI and crypto actually mix? I've heard like multi, I've heard conflicting r- reports as to, you know, whether AI and crypto actually mix. Andre Cronier famously wrote a blog about it. Um, yeah, I've always thought that AI and crypto really mix very well, but I'm, I'm keen to hear everybody else's views here. Is it a real thing or is it just a run? Like, let's discuss that for a second. I think um, AI is a very, very big space. The service area for AI is massive. Uh, you got to hone in on like what are the core components that, that crypto could help with. Um, and what we're seeing is things like Render, for example. Um, you know, it's They're a massive GPU uh, network. And in the one thing I can tell you about everything I looked at in AI is like we're running out of GPUs. We just don't have enough capacity. Um, my, I mean, my company, for example, uh, I'm running right now, Waitrum. We use AI to process um, video conferencing calls and and, and create summaries, etc. If, if if Zoom try to do this with uh, using using the current world infrastructure of GPUs, there is there just isn't enough. The amount of minutes um, being spoken every single day on video conferencing is is in you know. I don't know, hundreds of millions probably, uh, and there isn't enough GPU capacity for it. So what do you do? You're going to need some sort of infrastructure that uh, can be you know, powered by crypto where people can connect GPUs to the network and allow their GPUs to be used. There's a lot of idle GPUs out there. Um, gamers use their GPUs maybe two hours a day with these big you know, 4090s, uh, RTX 4090s, etc. And so th- this is where I think crypto can help is really on the infrastructure side and resource sharing. Um, like you know, like a, like an Airbnb of of, of GPUs, and there's a couple of companies doing it. Rend is one of them. Uh, I think that's a really interesting space. And now it's not crypto and AI being merged together, obviously, but it's resource provisioning, and I think that's important. And I think there are other areas where we can apply the crypto mindset to to the AI ecosystem, but I think they are somewhat detached. Sharpa, go ahead. Yeah. What about um, what about sorry, Vinny? Just what about um rewarding users for their data in 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 ai models because obviously ai models rely on user data and right now as the user we are the product we're not getting any any of the value yeah um, but the ability to reward users for being the data in the models so so here's the interesting dirty secret of this i spent as you know a lot of time on on data privacy at civic and trying to create you know a better identity infrastructure the problem is that the economics just don't add up individually our data isn't worth much I mean, you can take your data and obviously like, you know, maybe ultra net high net worth people, et cetera, very small percentage of the population, their data is worth a lot. The majority of the population, their data isn't worth that much. This is why like no one solved this problem of giving you money for your data. What's your data worth? 10, 20 bucks a year? That's it. In aggregate, it's worth a lot. And you have to aggregate that data because you're then looking for trains, et cetera. But you just can't, you can't monetize it. So this has been a problem for like I haven't seen anyone figure out the economic model of, of redistributing value to people, people for their data because the, the the economics of it just don't add up. It's just too small on an individual basis. Um, and Facebook knows this, Google knows this. They all know this, and and they can't make it work because it just doesn't work. The economics don't add up. Sharp, I jump in. You know, yeah, fair, fair point. Yeah, okay, okay. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Um, 
Thanks for that. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to go back to the uh, previous questions on like well, what will be like the next altcoin in the next cycle. Um, I'll just piggyback on what everyone else said. I, I don't think we honestly truly know what what will be the next darling, so to speak. I think that people generally like to just go to the hot new thing, hot new tech. Um, will they like? There's going to be new market needs. I, I don't know what they're going to be. Maybe they're like going to be tokenized real world assets. Maybe some metaverse stuff. Um, maybe more gambling. There's going to be more narratives that crypto fills throughout the next um, cycle. Last cycle, obviously in 2021, we saw more layer ones happen. We saw more metaverse happen. We saw, um, you know, those types of uh, gaming types of narratives come up. So I'm not sure what's going to happen in this next cycle. Um, I think that there's going to be some pretty, not sure bets, but like some pretty, some, some, some events that are high, high probability, meaning, um, like I think like meme coins will eventually do pretty well. Like Doge is going to have its run. I don't know what it's going to look like or Doge or Shiba. Um, and like Clark said, maybe like Pepe will like do pretty well too. Disclaimer, I still have a Pepe bag. Um, <laughs> I still think that it's, uh, you know, eventually going to move. I don't know what it's going to look like or when. Um, but as far as like actually seeing which types of coins are going to be there, uh, I think that we just don't know at this point. Um, and like, I'd rather just wait until a leader emerges and then just hop on the train at that point instead of just trying to like spray and pray. Like, obviously, if you're an adventure, then you, you can just take that approach. But um, like on the liquid trading market, it's a little bit different in my opinion. So I'd rather just like go and wait for the leader to actually start like moving hard and then just hop on the train at that point and then um, kind of see what happens at that at that stage instead of trying to just guess. Yeah, I think the narratives that I'm pretty excited about um, the clear. So obviously, like the, the casino stuff and the trading stuff we've talked about a lot about, but also, and you know, gaming was big last cycle, but we didn't really see any games that were like actually kind of like AAA or, or fun to play. So I think that that's going to be like a sleeping giant. There's like a lot of projects that have been kind of raising over the past couple of years with like big budgets that can bring like high quality games to crypto and i think like crypto and gaming make a lot of sense like you know digital ownership i'm pretty sure like csgo skins Counter strike massive uh kind of game and big esports scene but they've done like 32 billion dollars in volume uh on the csgo skins which is just like kind of uh aesthetic based over the past like four years since 2019 so i think that's going to be uh, a huge market in the future once good games come out that are actually fun to play and then kind of like tokenizing or making items within the game's NFTs. I think that makes a lot of sense. So I would probably say like the casino slash training and then also gaming, which is kind of, you know, it's hard to see like what to invest in right now on a liquid standpoint, but I think in the next year or so, some some clear winners or, you know, potential winners will, will kind of come out in, in that space. What do we make of the fact that a lot of the dinosaur DeFi coins have been moving? Obviously, I mean, it was kind of a short-term narrative, but comp still continues to go up. Ave, I mean, do you think that we can see rotation back to any of these sort of classic, it's funny to call them classic after a couple of years, but these classic popular sort of protocols and coins? Uh, Nick, what do you think? I think so. I mean, I think that like Ave, um, for sure, there's always a use case behind there, right? Lending is always going to be a popular thing, especially with money coming in and and coins sort of moving. Um, I think that before, like, in terms of multiples, right? 
I think that you will see some definite players, like for example, like Solana, like some of these layer ones that have done really well in the past that have these huge um, ecosystem like funds still, as well as these huge um, uh, userships. You will still see them like probably do really well coming into the next cycle. Now, in terms of like, I, I mean, we briefly touched base on this. I, did, I believe Sherpa was the one who brought this up. But my overall use case for crypto that I think that can be drastically improved is overall UI UX in the space. And that's where like I'm extremely bullish on Unibot. I think that we've briefly touched down on Unibot. And I think that that is going to be the big mover coming up. It's no, I mean, it's not like really a uh, surprise. Everybody uses Telegram here in the space. You know, for you to be able to manage your own tokens as well as trade on it through both like leverage as well as options as well as DeFi easily from their phone is going to be like the big mover. And um, yeah, I think that that's really just I, that's I actually I did a whole show today about these trading bots and how much I love this narrative. It, it's it's repeating the altcoin memes uh, the meme cycle uh, meme coin cycle. But actually, I really think that the use case of these of these bots is unbelievable to trade, to farm, to to farm for airdrops using a bot on your Telegram. I think that is unbelievable. I think we've just seen the beginning of it. Um, I don't really, I, don't, I try not to show my own show here uh, on the spaces, but I think if you go watch my show, it was just an introduction to the bots, and we're actually building a, a full spreadsheet of these trading bots, what they do. Um, what uh you know which ones are the good ones which ones are the bad ones but for me that's a massive massive narrative with a big use case it's it's effectively probably also going to be the crossover between ai and um and uh and crypto you know where these bots are going to be you know ai powered bots that uh, effectively just invest on your behalf or, or farm on your behalf there's some of these bots that are doing uh, airdrop farming and they pretty they pretty much they're much better at airdrop farming than any of us will ever be. And you just you, you just plug your wallet into these bots and you let the bot just do its thing and you they airdrop farm for you. I think that I think it's a massive, 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 very strong narrative. Was anybody here using them heavily? Really glad RT, but yeah, just I mean, I tried Matt Maestro, Maestro, whatever, for a very brief time and just kind of forgot about it. But uh is anybody using them? And RT can make the point for it. Uh I haven't I haven't used them yet. I was gonna say I'm really glad you brought up the bots um i've been sitting here thinking about you know the, the idea of waiting until seeing what next cycle looks like before we ne necessarily take predictive bets and the, and that's not a bad strategy that's more of a momentum trade and then you know you, you miss some of the start of the move but you you know you jump on board when you kind of know it's moving um but going back to what i said earlier i'm really looking at the obviously value accrual i just beat that horse dead today but um Thinking about the use case of crypto, we talked a lot about it today. There's pretty solid consensus on like, thus far, it is trading and speculating, gambling for lack of a better word. And so I'm looking at projects that are building the infrastructure to do that and solving the problems that we're dealing with right now, whether that's high fees on Ethereum through last cycle, it was near impossible to move around with less than you know, really a $100,000 position. Um, you know, you don't want to close a $4,000 so things like Solana, AVAX, some of the other L1s, some of the L2s, right? They're they're working on solving that problem. Um, but as you brought up the bots, it just made me think of Yolo Nolo, another one of those uh, Discord bots. You know, they're going to have perps and all that. Um, personally, not my cup of tea, right? Trading through a text interface. But if there's a market for it, that's going to be an area where we see growth. Like you said, trading on your phone through Telegram, managing your assets, buy, sell, whatever. 
Um, and so going back to Hero Network, which I think the market just waking up to right now, as we're starting to see some movement there after the Solana rally this year. Um, but it's really this perfect storm of the fact that Hero 1.0 was this Web 2, you know, single DAP kind of thing or app really like a Web 2 style. Um, but with these unified liquidity pools, there's going to be a number of, there's about 12. Did I cut out? I went mobile. No, you're good. We can hear you. We can hear you. Okay. Good. Um, well, just just pointing out that like, if you have a unified liquidity pool like they've built there, many dApps plug into the same liquidity. Um, and so you've got YOLO NOLO bot, which is being compared to Unibot right now, um, plugging into that. Then you've got a new one they just uh, hinted at, Pepperdex, that just launched their Discord. There's apparently more than one Rollbit-esque type platform being built in their parimutuel protocol so all plugging into the same liquidity and as we know liquidity is reflexive so liquidity begets more liquidity so that's obviously and again i'm obviously biased i work and do content with them but um having taken a really close look at it that remains my pick for the type of thing i want to be looking at which is infrastructural plays that solve the problems of the real use cases of crypto right now which really are just trading gambling all the rest and I, 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 for one, hope we evolve past that long term. But as of right now, that's objectively what we're looking at. That's the use case. So I want to buy that infrastructure. Yeah. Another piece on, on the infra side, I think like, you know, obviously Bridges had a, a pretty good run last uh, year. But, you know, on the infrastructure side, I think like, you know, betting on, you know, Ethereum, just core infrastructure, like fueling all this stuff. Uh, I like some of the bridge coins that are going to help you know, connect the block space between everything. And, you know, as more retail users come on, they kind of get priced out of Ethereum. So kind of like the L2s and infrastructure plays. Uh, a new L2 I'm kind of looking at, which was previously a bridge is, is Synapse, and they're going to be launching their L2 and uh, their L2 relatively soon. And that's going to be like uh, an EVM optimistic rollup that kind of connects data across all the EVM chains uh, and it would essentially allow you to build like an exchange on chain to like natively trade uh, kind of in one place, you know, assets across kind of any any EVM chain in one place. So I think infrastructure is kind of another area. Um, obviously, that's been around for a while, but like kind of another area that you can kind of count on to probably be a big performer, especially as we onboard more people and more users, and people get priced out of Ethereum. Anyone else any thoughts on the on the bots? My only concern with the bots, it makes a lot of sense, but it seems like it's very insular. Like Telegram bot is still very much built solely for the crypto community and not for any sort of mainstream adoption. Yeah, and, but I mean, I mean, not I mean, everybody sniping. If you have everybody using a bot to snipe the same launches, doesn't it become ineffective? I know, but then it becomes yeah. And then it becomes just like PVP, right? Um, it really just comes down to who knows what, who knows the contract addresses early. At the end of the day, right, it just comes down to basic trading where it's a zero-sum game. I think that's where, that's where um, you know, you would have your edge. But at the same time, there's certain bots out there. For example, Unibot, I don't want to keep showing this because I do own a bag, but it is relatively large market cap at this point. Um, that gives, you know, token holders of a, a portion of the revenue. So... You could simply just sim like buy it and hold without even staking and, and still earn pretty decently off of it. 
um, just off of that yield alone. Yeah, also, okay. going, uh, Scott, Scott, let's not make the assumption that any crypto people use Telegram, and let's not make the assumption that these bots will only operate off Telegram. I mean, there's already Discord bots which are operating. There are no WhatsApp bots because WhatsApp doesn't have an API or doesn't have a usable API. So I think that, you know, for as long as you're using WhatsApp, that's not going to work. But, you know, I think that bots are going to be the future. Um, we're seeing it in our industry in that it's becoming a trading bot. But I think, you know, with AI, bots are going to be the future of, of, you know, how we handle customer service conversations, how we even handle our own conversations and stuff like that. So I agree 100% I with that. Yes. Yeah, so, so I think that, you know, like look at Unibot now. And again, I'm, I'm, I'm a very, very small bag holder of Unibot and we're on the markets and no special favors or anything like that. <clears throat> I'm not, I don't have any interest to shill it, but the reason why I bought it is because A, it's it's starting to get very widely used, but I also believe that if these people develop this bot, then they're going to keep up with the times and maybe we'll get an email bot and maybe we'll get a, a Discord bot and maybe we'll get a lot of other bots. So this is, the, this is just the entry. And I think that, that bots right now are going to be a big topic. And I think that, that I did my whole show, again, I don't try, I try not to show my show on I did my whole show today on these trading bots because I just think that the community needs to start finding out about them pretty early um, and understanding where the value accrual gets and the fees and, and what these bots actually do. Uh, so I think, I, I, think look, I don't think it's going to be the next narrative as big as layer ones, but it's certainly nice to see a narrative which is, in my mind, it's a clean narrative. It's not like meme coins where, you know, they prided themselves on having no utility. These bots have actually got good utility. The more money the bot makes, the more the better the bot is. The more money it makes, the higher the token value goes because, effectively, in most of the models, the token holders are getting a percentage of the fees generated by the bot. So it's a clean narrative. It's not a narrative which is which is filled with hot air, um, and it's it's based on a real world use case. You know what I'm saying? You're fine. Hey guys, real yeah. fast. I, I don't. I don't want to shill a specific project, but I want to just show you guys sort of screenshots um, of what these bots can do. Right? If you actually look at the pin post right now, and, and I'll unpin it because I don't want to shill the bag, but um, you guys can actually see just how dynamic these bots are and exactly what they're doing. Right? So both of these projects are um, farming bots. So essentially, they put the you know all like the labor, the hard work that takes to um, to qu qualify for airdrops. And it does it automatically for you. You simply just throw in Ethereum into a wallet, distributes out, and it runs the task for you. These tasks would take you hours every single day. They're very tedious, and these bots are automated, so they're pretty dynamic, um, and they're you know pretty self-explanatory. And by holding the tokens, right, you get a you get a cut of each airdrop as well. So, um, as you guys were saying, I think that the use case around these bots is very powerful, and you will continuously see that. Um, you know, going forward. I'm glad, I'm, I'm glad we're having this discussion. I mean, it, it's so timely that I did my show on it today and, and we're having this discussion. Patrick, I see you got your hand up. Yeah. Yeah. Th thank you, Ren. Um, I think one thing that's so powerful about these bots that you kind of hinted at a second ago was that because they're a platform, you can ultimately hook up all sorts of other narratives and technologies to them. So, so what I'm watching for is I'm expecting this bot narrative to start to merge with the AI narrative, as you're already seeing some of them are incorporating AI more into their, uh, into their product offerings. And then also to merge with the, with the, uh, gambling casino narrative, as you see bots that help people with, for example, sports betting. 
Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I, that's why I say I'm very, very, very bullish on this narrative. And it's, uh, I discovered the narrative a few days ago and uh, been looking at it since. Um, I, I think it's a very, very, very strong narrative which actually has substance as opposed to a lot of the crypto narratives which I say don't really have substance. Uh, Scott, I mean, if there's not much else happening, if it, I mean, if anybody has any closing thoughts, would would love to hear them. Also, just a reminder that from next week, we're going to be broadcasting from the Crypto Town Hall account, which is the little red microphone. I think it's a speaker or a listener. Little red microphone. Listener, crypto, yeah, yeah. yeah, Crypto underscore Town Hall. Um, we're going to be broadcasting using that handle, I think, starting sometime next week. So if you just so you guys don't miss the broadcast, maybe just subscribe to that account. Just uh, join that account. Uh, otherwise, if anybody's got some closing thoughts, um, let's close it up for today. Not me. RT, I'll jump in. You let him close. Let everybody close at once. Go. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll jump in. Um, I, I think the ETF is probably going to be the biggest source of new uh, cash, or, you know, fresh money into the ecosystem because these ETFs, I mean, they're going to have to hold spot uh, at least on some level. Um, uh, it's gonna have a pre- it's gonna have pressure or upward pressure on Bitcoin spot for sure. I don't think there's enough uh, you know in the derivatives market uh, otherwise. So that, that's just my take. So I think that that's the the catalyst. I think we're all hoping for. We should be hoping for. Yeah, but I guess that the I guess the first ETF approval is at least six months away, right? Best case. I mean, I can't see the SEC. I don't know. People say it could be a month, but I think that's optimistic. Devin. We will start to get answers in August. That's all. We will actually start to get them being forced to make some sort of decisions as soon as August. Yeah, I mean, I well, like, to Jay, James, James on my show, James from Bloomberg, and he said uh, December was the soonest, if, if anything. Well, the, the longer it takes, the closer we get to happen. So, but there you go. Yeah. Yeah, I think the, uh, I'm going to pop off, but I think uh, the first time around is probably they're going to kick the can down the road. Um, but more importantly, like sure it is really meaningful for the market. I mean, it doesn't guarantee instant demand. It's not like BlackRock's going to go out there and just start scooping up a bunch of BTC. Um, but it is great for you know allocators, uh, more traditional types that were skeptical of crypto because there's a significant stigma involved uh, to start passively indexing. And I think that's one of the types of flows that this market is really missing. That kind of passive indexing that you know really doesn't go to zero. I mean, they'll rebalance, but as soon as they're adding BTC to their basket products, it's not like they're going to have zero allocation moving forward. So, uh, yeah, I think just don't forget the impact of like four hundred one k's now being used. You know, so sovereign wealth funds, funds four hundred one k's. And it's more about the, the dollar cost averaging part of the equation. Like every month, money's going to start going in from all these accounts yeah. and not adding it to the portfolio. So it has a, a massive upward pressure on uh, on Bitcoin. So yeah, guys, really quickly, I mean, I'm just seeing this. We're about to dig into it. Maybe we'll dig into it tomorrow. But a new U.S. Senate bill uh, was proposed today that wants to regulate DeFi like banks. Uh, and the bill, check out the name, the bipartisan bill, the Crypto Asset National Security Enhancement Act of 2023, would require DeFi protocols to impose bank-like controls of their user base, according to a description of the bill reviewed by Coindex. My God, good luck. Yeah, we'll dig into that tomorrow. And I've been trying to try to do that today, but that sounds like uh, when the US, US Senate was talking about DeFi, I'd say we've made it at least to some degree. All right, Randy, should we wrap it up? Let's wrap it up for today. See you guys all tomorrow, same time, same place. Much love, guys. See you guys.